Okay. Good morning, ladies. Today's class I'd like to entitle, Say Goodbye to Gullis, because isn't that our aim in life, that we want to get, get out of this Gullis already? More and more things are surrounding us. Even in Israel, you can't escape being in Gullis. We all thought that was more of a safe haven. They've got their own, there's plenty of problems today in Eretz Yisrael with the, 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 the government and all the other things lurking around us. Surrounded by all kinds of, it's very appropriate. And always we have a backdrop. We always have a backdrop for, you know, proper backdrop for Tishabov to get us into the mood to show how everything around us is so futile. We are supposed to mourn. We are enjoined to mourn, mourn for the, the destruction of Yerushalayim. As it says, <laughs> whoever mourns for the destruction of Jerusalem merits to see its salvation. He or she merits to see it rebuilt. So the more you get into the mourning aspect of Yerushalayim, the more you're zeichel to see it rebuilt. But we have, of course, four questions to ask to properly understand the whole topic of mourning and what it means to us. Question number one. Well, first we have a little bit of background. Shem Shem Pinkus brings down that the Shalah HaKadosh tells us that we can't mourn on Shabbos. You know, you never, even a mourner person in Avelis doesn't sit Shiva on Shabbos. He, he or she goes to shul on Shabbos of their Shiva. We don't practice mourning on Shabbos, right? And we don't mourn for the for Beis HaMikdash on Shabbos. Why? Because then you'd be guilty of Binyan Beis HaMikdash because it's Kolaroah, whoever, whoever, you're already building the Beis HaMikdash by, by uh, mourning for it. And that's why we can't mourn on Shabbos because you'd be guilty of building the base of Mikdash on Shabbos, which is not Doche Shabbos. But Shabbos trumps over, I don't mean to use a former president's name, even though he was good to the Jews, but um, it, 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 uh, building the base of Mikdash is not as important as keeping Shabbos. So too, Shabbos you know, takes over when it's a question of Shabbos versus mourning. Now, the morning is supposed to be so great. That's the way to build the, the temple. But the first question we have here is, if it's such an important thing, we're building the base of Mikdash, how can we mourn when, A, we're so far away from the, the time that it actually happened? They ask it every year, but we need to always ask it again and again. Secondly, how can we mourn and extricate ourselves from the gullus when you know, do a proper job when our parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, the Alta Babas and Zaydas with so much spirituality, they couldn't do it. How can Hashem expect us to do it? Second question. They say there's two really reasons, two main reasons why the second base of Megish was destroyed. One was Sinas Chinam, that there was baseless hatred. The baseless hatred, meaning you didn't just hate somebody for nothing. It could be they didn't lend you an object or Something minor, you know, you just didn't like how they acted toward you. That's called already sinas chenam. And the, um, and what's it called? And the, uh, and, and also the second reason, shalom barhu batara batchila. They didn't say the, they didn't say the birchas Torah. They didn't say, um, they didn't say the bracha over Torah when they were, when they were, uh, when they were davening. That's unbelievable. What do you mean they didn't say the Birchas HaTorah? 
not say the Berks of Torah. I mean, these people were in the VM, a lot of the VM lived during those days. What do you mean that they didn't say the Berks of Torah? How, how do we understand such a thing? Third question. We're supposed to cry tears on, on, on Tishabov. It says, um, You cry tears for nothing. On the night of Tishabov, you know, the, the, the spies came back from Eretz Yisrael and they cried. And everybody was so worried about the giants and everything. So Hashem said, you cried for nothing. Therefore, I'm going to establish for you. You're going to have to cry for generations. You have to cry forever. How can we properly cry on Tishbub? And, and how, why are tears so important? Why are tears so? Why do we have to cry? Why is that our avitus hayyam? The day, so we have to do that day. And last question is, immediately after Tisha B'Av, we have seven weeks of comfort. Shiva Nechmasa. Now, Nechemta, rather. If we have seven weeks of comfort, and the base of Mekdash is here, why do we have seven weeks of comfort? What's the point of that? So those ladies are our four questions. And now let's come up with some amazing answers, ideas, and hopefully life-changing messages. First, our first uh, presenter today will be Hagon, Harav, HaKadosh, HaTzadik, Rav Shimshin Pinkasech, HaTzadik Lavracha. And he says the following. There were three times in history where the Jewish people lowered their stature, so to speak. The first one was the first man, and barely 12 hours after he was created. He was the greatest person that ever lived. He was the tallest person, strongest person that ever lived. He did the chait Adam Arisha, and he did the sin of the first man. He lowered his stature physically, spiritually. It said he could see from one end of the world to the other. That was gone. It said he could, you know, how, how tall he was, that was limited. And then also we find that, you know, it, it's spiritually now death is brought to the world. It's not the same world as it was before. The second sin that was major in the Jewish history was the sin of the golden calf, chait Egel. It said, we had just received the Torah like 40 some odd days before. We just got the Torah. Moshe's coming down with the first set of the Ten Commandments dictated by the divine, by, by our creator. He's coming down and the Jews think, he's late, he's late, he's late. What can we do? We have to do something about this. Something has to be done. He's late, but we need some kind of inspiration. From where are we going to get our inspiration? What are we going to do with ourselves? How are we going to make up for it? So what happens? We find, uh, you know, they uh, they again diminish their level, and we we were not we were no longer on a holy lofty level like we were before the before the sin of, before the giving of the Torah. We reduced ourselves, and we're like before the sin, after the sin of the first man. When we got the Torah, we were like Adamarishan's level. After we did the sin of the golden calf, we lowered that level. And then, thirdly, says Reshepshim Pincus, was the destruction of the temples. When before the temple, there was a certain perception of Hashem. It was so clear to us. And all of a sudden, we lost it all. And these three things, he says, are linked. How are they all linked, these three events? He says, when Hashem created the world, there's a Pasuk that tells us, it's, I think it's in Yeshaya, Hashem says, the heavens are my throne. And the earth is like my footstool. That's how Hashem is. He's the boss. This, this is all his handiwork. Look what he's done for 
millions, myriads of human beings and animals and all these, the world is all dependent on Hashem. The greatness, the kindness of Hashem that he gave, gave us so much. He was the epicenter of the universe. He was everything. On the sixth day of the creation, everyone was waiting for the most important uh, person to appear on the scene, the head waiter. The head waiter was supposed to be the first man, Adam Harishon, the first man. The first man was supposed to be like the head waiter. That's now head waiter is not a small thing. It's a very important thing. However, there's a bit of a problem sometimes. You know, he gives a muscle. Okay, well, maybe I'll try to make a different muscle. Sometimes he says, you know, to make a living, a person has to go and lower himself a little bit. He said there's a man, it could be a man, he knew a whole shas. He know the whole Talmud. And he had to all of a sudden go and become a waiter. He had to go become a waiter because he had to feed his family. There's no other way. He says, look, you know, it says, uh, take a, a, a prokneve lusa to shuk the tall agra. Person should, if they have to make a parnasam, you have to lower your feelings and take a more of a menial job in order that you should be able to do what you have to do, you know? See, he's working at this wedding. And who is the, who is the center of attention? The chassan, a 20-year-old schnook, is sitting there as the main person. Here's a guy that knows the whole shas serving him. Really, that's sometimes how the roles have changed in this world. Originally, Hashem was the chassan and man was supposed to be the head waiter. But in all three of these events, the common denominator was man thought that he was the chassan and that Hashem was his head waiter. That's what went wrong. That's the common denominator why the Jews lowered their spiritual level and why we deserved some type of um, how do you say, we need repercussions. We need to have something to go through in order to, after suffering like that. Just a little bit now, we could talk about each one of these situations in great detail, but we're gonna just say it in very small detail. For example, when we talk about um, the first man, he had calculations. Hashem said, one commandment, one commandment. Now, Anamarishan, if you read this farm, this is not a, a, like a stupid thing that, you know, oh, I have to eat from this Eitzadas, or I want to be like Hashem, and I'm going to be so great. I'll live forever. That's children learn that, that version. We as adults know, Adam made calculations. Like he said, I want commandment. I want to do more than that. That's basically, it's, I'm doing it on one foot kind of, but hope I do it justice. But I'm just trying to say he had more noble thoughts than we could imagine. However, he was still making calculations. He was still saying, I want to do one up. I want to do more. I want to do one up. It's not what Hashem told me to do. I want to lower my bedrega, not keep that. And then I'll get closer to Hashem by on my own accomplishing more. That's like basically in one foot what Rav Dessler says. Or in other, anyways, what did he do? We brought the Yitzhar in him. Before the Yitzhar was like more of an outside kind of entity. Rav Dessler says, I think we mentioned this previously, that um, the, the difference between before the sin and after the sin, Rav Dessler says, you know how to know how strong your Yetzirah is today? Whenever you have a, a fight going on within you for anything, there's one voice that says, you should do this or one should do that. That's your conscience, right? That's your Yetzirah Tov. What does your Yetzirah say? But I want it. All of a sudden, who's the real master of our body? 
Hashem, I mean, we, not Hashem. So the, he says, Rav Dessler says, notice who speaks in first person, and then you'll know, if you ever have a conflict, sometimes it helps us to know who is the Eight Sahara in the dialogue and who is the Eight Saratov. The Eight Sahara is always saying, I, you know, by exotic already, if you're a really lofty Madrigan, the I will be the right thing. But by most the, most human beings, especially not on the level of Adam Arishan, the I is stronger, and that is what the that's how far the Yitzhar has come because of the sin of Adam. In the sin of the golden calf, they also made calculations. Moshe is not coming. We have to do something. They, albeit, according to Dessler, again, he basically says people wanted to inspire themselves. It wasn't a thing that, uh, that you know, they, they, they were doing. Well, there was the heir of Rav doing actual idolatry, but most of the Jews just wanted a little extra effort. But on their level, what do you need effort for? Where's your bitachon? Where's your, why, why is Hashem not the center of your universe? And so too by the Horban Beis Hamikdash. We thought, we, we, we felt that Hashem wasn't the priority. When it says, Shalom Barchu Batorah Batchila, they didn't say the Birchas Torah. That means they didn't feel it's the main, mainstay of my blood. It said, Rav Shimshim Pinkus says, before the Horban, a Jew would, like, he could not put down his Gemara. And I would assume that it would mean a woman could not put down her tehillim. Like that was, here, we pick it up. We have to, we want to, but it's not like you can't put it down. It's not like you can't put it down, you know? It's not your mainstay. This is that Hashem, the center of the universe, the center of the universe shifted in both three cases. How did it shift? The I took over. Me, that's what took over. We became the center. Hashem became our head waiter. Our tefillahs became what can you do for us and not for why how am i serving you that's the common denominator between all these three sins by the way just to throw this in i just an important thing to say now even though i is the center we still today's generation we need a pump we need to feel we need to feel like we're a somebody. We are, we are the Meltzar. We're the head waiter. That we are the head of the whole universe. Bishvilini vraha olam. The world was created for me. We're supposed to feel we are the mainstay. It's very important. But what is the main, what is our big job here for? Big job is for Hashem. Rav Nachman Breslov says, Shalom barchu batara batchila means that they didn't feel asher bacharbanu mikol ha'amim. We didn't feel different from all the other nations. We should feel a gishmak, a good feeling every morning. We're different from everybody. We have a holy, a lofty mission. We're supposed to be better than everybody else. And that should be our great joy that we have a higher mission than the rest of the world. So that's it. The, the, the epicenter had shifted. Now Hashem was not the epicenter. We became the epicenter. And we are still faced with these problems today. And until we can make Hashem our mainstay, that's Horban. That's Horban. Shemshim Pinka says, when we wake up in the morning, what do we feel? The first thing we think about is ourselves. I'm hungry. I'm tired. I have to do this today. That's our first thought, the initial thought in the morning. We're supposed to. That's why Hashem makes us, forces us. The first words that should exit our mouth are, My da'ani lefanecha. Thank you, Hashem. You gave me rapa emunasecha. You had so much belief in me. You believed in me that I should have another day to serve you, Hashem. You know, that's amazing when you think about it. Hashem had so much belief in us that he wanted to give us another, another lease on life. But 
what happens is we start thinking about ourselves. Look what, well, we find that um, he says a person waiting in traffic. People have a lot, lot, you know, everyone today, there's road rage. People have a lack of, um, how do you say, people have a lack of, uh, you know, it's all about me. How dare this person cut me off, cut me in traffic? How dare something else, you know, happen? Why is it taking so long to get from point A to point B? Why is there such a long line? Why do I have to wait? You know, it's all about me. That's all we're thinking about the whole day. But we're supposed to be thinking how Hashem is serving us constantly and how much we owe him for, for what he's doing for us at all times. And when we finally do a mitzvah properly, says Rashim Shem Pinkus, we're saying, look at me, this is a mitzvah like, like one of the Gedolim did. I finally did something like that. This is what we're here in the world for, says Rashim Shem Pinkus. We laud ourselves, and we should laud ourselves. Very important, especially today, we, we suffer from a low self-esteem. But we should, but, but when we laud ourselves, what about Hashem? What about Hashem? How much do we, how much should we praise him in order to take ourselves out of the, out of the primary focus? I once I heard once a speech of his and it really moved me. He said that today we have the iPhone. And that has that's another extension of the eye in so many ways. We find that he said, a person says in the Shema, how much are you supposed to love Hashem? When you sit down in your house, and when you're traveling, when you go to sleep, or when you get up. And that's why we say Shabbat three times a day, or we're learning Torah during the day. Why? Because Hashem should occupy our thoughts. But what happens instead? Even a person with no technology, even with a kosher phone, they get up in the morning. What are the messages? <laughs> in the morning, you're supposed to make Hashem. When you get up in the morning, it's supposed to be Hashem. It's where are my messages? He says a person, uh, he says men used to come out of, of, of learning. First would learn in the, uh, in the yeshiva. They come out of yeshiva. He said there was something called a rischa dairaisa, like a, a kachan and learning. Everybody was all caught up in their learning and all excited about their learning. And he said they exit the, the yeshiva. Everyone was walking out of yeshiva, talking to each other, you know, about what they had learned that day and continuing on. Today, he says everyone runs to the cell phones to check, do I have any messages? Is there anything out there? And when you're walking, you have to check every once in a while, every hour to hear what that this important message. And when you go to sleep, when you go to sleep, you have to check, you know, the last thing before you go to sleep, forget Hashem. We have to see, did I get any more messages? Is there anything important in the world going on that I missed? But where is Hashem? Where is the epicenter of our universe? If Simcha Budun Kohn Shlita says, another challenge in our society is that a lot of things are just with the push of a button. They're so automatic. If we need money today, the younger generation, you just send things, transfers uh, to another person by email. I was going to parking garages. They don't take cash anymore in a parking garage, in, in Canada at least. Yeah, everything's credit cards. Everything's automatic. There's nothing. You don't have to go in your wallet. You don't have to do anything. There's, there's, there's even you can use your phone for everything. Like everything's so automatic. A person used to go, he said in the past, a person used to go and, you know, daven, a bubble with daven the whole way. Please, Hashem, let me have enough money in the bank to pay for this bill. And please this and please that. Now everything's so automatic. We forget about all the steps that were necessary in something happening to us that we would involve Hashem more in our lives. And today being so automatic, it's much easier to not feel Hashem in our lives. 
and, 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 and the whole society is so automatic. But Hashem is really supposed to be the center of our universe, the ease that we have. We forget it. We forget how much we really owe him. Says from Shimshim Pinkus that one of the messages of Tishabav is that all the other holidays are celebrating the past. You know, we are celebrating whatever it is. And, and you know, we're celebrating that we got the Torah. We're celebrating that we, we, we we're left Mitzrayim, all the things we celebrate. And he said a celebration is easier to attend than a, than, than a, a funeral, Loyaleinu. He said like Bachram, if all of a sudden a bunch of Bachram are told there's this chassan, he doesn't have any family, come dance at the wedding. Everyone's so excited. Of course I'll dance. I'll get a few, I'll get a little bit of schnapps. I'll get some cake. I'll get whatever. It's such a big mitzvah, you know. But if you told somebody, and, and by the end, they're really feeling for the chassan and they're very excited for him and they feel with him. But if you would ask somebody to go to a levaya of a stranger and cry at the levaya, how many people are going to get moved to tears? I don't even know him. I never even met him. How can I be moved to tears? Now, people manage this. There's so many stories from Chaim Shmulevitz, Sechard Sadek Levracha. There were stories, and you hear about the Manchester Rosh Hashiva. I've heard stories about both of them that they, they were told, like Chaim Shmulevitz was once told somebody was losing their, their sight. He cried for this man for 20 minutes, never met him in his life. Never met him in his life. He was able to, to feel for the other in, to such an extent. It's unbelievable. But he says, Tishabav, on the other hand, we're supposed to focus on the morning. And it's harder to focus on the morning. But you know what? The idea of the morning is the following. The idea of the morning, he says, is really, Tishabav is more real. The other holidays celebrate the past. Tishabav celebrates the here and now. Where are we? Where are we? When Hashem is not the epicenter of the universe, look what goes on. Look at the churban a human being can make when Hashem is not the center of the universe. Look what we do when we don't put Hashem first. We, 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 then Hashem says, okay, you don't put me first. Teva, nature will take over. And look what nature is. Look how beloved the Jewish people are in the world today. When the Jews were really in their country, the people, even the non-Jews would bring korbanas to the base of Mikdash. They revered the Jewish kings. They realized we were the chosen people. Today, the Jews are despised everywhere, especially from Jews. You know, and, and um, you know, this is this is what we make of ourselves when we don't put Hashem first, when we rely on the world to give us chizik, when we rely on the politicians, the world leaders for, for help. They're going to help us with uh, COVID. They're going to help us with things. We rely on the establishments. Look what the establishment is. It's nothing. And this really, this reality is what we need. This is, in, in, in fact, says Roshim Shempikas Tishabov has a higher potential than Yom Kippur. Because Yom Kippur is an inspiration of the sins we've done, with the, and we have to get closer to Hashem. But Tisha B'av really is like looking at a world without Hashem. Yom Kippur is looking at a world with Hashem and how far we've drifted. Tisha B'av is looking at what we have caused by distancing ourselves from Hashem, by making ourselves the epicenter. And look what happens. And we maybe don't see in ourselves. You see, let's say in others, we see what happens when people you know, how they insult each other and, and, and how, you know, like those politicians, the, 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 the low, the lowly things that they've succumbed to and how the world has gotten so low. And it's because of us. And it's because when, when we just, when it's all about me, look, look how people, the, the, the egocentric people in the world are, we have a part in this, albeit not like them, not like them, 
But we have to look at ourselves and see how can I remove my ego from this world and make Hashem number one in my life? How can I do it? Really, whenever we say the Kedusha, we should say it with more feeling because it's such an important concept we forget all the time. When we say the word kavod, honor, what does kavod really mean? So I once heard an explanation from Rabbi Orlo actually done. Rabbi Orlowick says kavod is similar to the word kaved, heavy. Also kaved is the liver. Liver is blood heavy. It's like so much blood in the liver, right? When we say kavodo male olam, his honor fills the world. What are we saying? That everything in life has meaning. It's important. Every move we make is important. Everything we do is important because there is an important mission for us all at every moment of our lives. Everything screams importance. There's meaning in everything. Every, you know, I once heard a beautiful Hirsch once said, What's the biggest answer to the reform movement? You know, when they say, look at you, Orthodox Jews, every minute you have a halacha, how to tie your shoes, how to get up in the morning, how to go, what, what, t- even a tefillah after the bathroom, a tefillah for this, a tefillah for that. You're davening all day. You're it's like, let up a little bit. You know, the answer he says is, if you only believe you serve Hashem once in a while, then he says, then, then what is the whole world for? What is your whole life for? Like all those meetings, just to like take a break, have a rest, and then come back, you know, once a week, attend services, and you'll be fine, you know? We believe every moment is, an, is a moment of opportunity. Sorry about that. Every moment is a moment of potential opportunity, and we dare not waste that moment. We are supposed to feel that we can serve Hashem at any given moment, and that every moment should be turned into a moment of service. Somehow we have to take whatever the lemons that we were given and make them into a lemonade. That's that we are not here for ourselves. We're here to serve Hashem. So to sum it up so far, we're saying the source of all sin is to forget reality and feel like we're the center of the universe. So instead we need to focus and we need to cry that we've lost our way from giving Kavad Shemayim, to give him the proper respect to show that everything is, is important and there's meaning to everything I go through in my life and in our lives in general. There's meaning behind this madness that we're all going through. And it's the te- we're supposed to learn lessons. And the lesson on Tisha B'Av is this world is not the main world. This world is, is tragedy when human beings take over. When Hashem becomes the center of our universe and we decide to, to re re take our, rededicate ourselves to make Hashem the center of our universe, that's correcting those sins of Adam Arishan, of the Cheta Egel, and the Chorban Beis Amikdash. Now, there's a, there's a way that can help us get closer to the Kavit Shemaim we have to get to. And the Sif Chaim of Chaim Friedlander brings down that that way is through Bain Adam Lechavero, between man and man. That's how the link, this is the link that we talked about. How is it that we're both guilty of baseless hatred and chalo barhu batara barchila? One is that we didn't say Hashem, we didn't make the Torah the main thing in our lives. Maybe bachar bano also means we didn't, we didn't separate ourselves from the guy. We didn't realize we have a different calling. And also the sinas chinam. So asher, uh, uh, the barhu um, batara barchila is, um, is making Hashem first. And Sinas Chinam 
is we're not making our fellow human beings first that we're we're baselessly that doesn't mean you baselessly hate people we usually don't have baselessly hate people it means they didn't do us a favor they looked at us the wrong way we don't like how judgmental they are we don't like how how you know rough they are with us how blunt they are how they embarrassed us how they this that you know all the things that they did to us we don't like those things so instead what do we do we you know we we decide we just have a little bit of a harsh feeling for these people now there's a big connection um the uh, the um, what's it called? The, the Vilna Gaon brings down, and I heard this from Rav Scheinberg's Atzal. He says that what is sinas chinam? Sinas chinam is a lack of bitachon. If we believe that everything that has every insult that comes our way, every bad turn that comes our way is Hashem, and that person is just the vehicle, and that people innately all have good points and bad points, as we do. And we're just not going to focus on their bad. We're going to focus on their good, and 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 you know drum it in because they sh- they have a right to be olam. The world was created for each and every one of us, and each and every one of us would be would be meriting an entire world. That's how great each one of us is. And even though they may have harmed us, that's just like they say on the Bitachan hotline. Um, the the Bitachan hotline says that a person's supposed to feel that. Um, uh, that, that if somebody insults you, he said you should look at it like a cockroach insult, insulted you. Because they're not doing the right thing at this moment. If they said something horrible to you, they didn't act properly. That's the cockroach side of themselves. You know, we all have cockroach sides of ourselves. That's their moment of being a cockroach. That's the, that's his muscle in the Bitachan hotline. So if he's being a cockroach at that moment, how can you be upset that a cockroach just insulted you? And also Hashem wanted that person to insult you. You needed it. Shasali called Sarki. Hashem gave me everything I need. I needed to get insulted. I needed to get insulted today. I needed to have that insult. It's important to my, my growth to be insulted. But him, it's another story. Him, I still have to give respect to. He brings down that one way to correct the sinas chinam that another person has says the Sifsek Chaim, Pasuk and Devarim, Tesvav Zion. I'm not sure if it's Yud Zion. I can't see my writing here. You have to open your hand to a person what he, for what he needs, not what you think he needs, but what he needs as the Torah. Um, because you're supposed to feel for your friend, says the Sifsek Chaim. There's three levels, really, in giving tzedakah. The first level is just being is just being uh, charitable. You just give him something. The second level is to do chesed. You're really trying to look out. Oh, I I, I want to give you what you need. I want to make you happy. I'm not just handing you a coin, but I want to make you happy. And the third thing is no sepa all in chaveiro is to really feel for your friend. That's the third level. If someone, now he says, de machsoro, you're supposed to look and say, what does he need? That should be our focus. What do the other person need? That's, that's I've heard from many gedolim, that's our only focus. You're not supposed to look at a person as, what does he lack in Ruchnius? <laughs> We're supposed to look, what does he need that I can help him with? Not, we shouldn't look at him like, oh, this one is this and that one is that. And she's lacy and she's, 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 she's uh, talks too much Lashon Hara and he's this and she's that. That's not how we're supposed to view another person. 
Rav Chatzka Levenstein once said, when we are being cruel, he said the word for cruelty in Hebrew is achzar. Now, achzar could usually be spelled differently. Achzar, you are a strange brother. You have estranged your brother. Would you give your brother a benefit of the doubt? Give him a, tell him that, you know, he couldn't help himself. He's this, he's that, child. Wouldn't you tell your child, your brother, that, you know, he couldn't help himself. That was your cockroach moment. Or... Are you going to look at him like a stranger? When you look at your brother like a stranger, that's an answer. You know, we should look at him like my egg and my, my, my flesh and blood. You're like me. I love you. We're the same. We're, we're so close. We need each other. Listen to this amazing Gemara and Shabbos, Daf Samach Zion, that the, that the Sifzichayim uh, brings down. It's unbelievable. He said, if somebody has a fruit tree, that is failing, it's dropping fruit. It's not, it's somehow, it's not succeeding in producing proper fruit prematurely. There are two things the farmer is supposed to do from the Gemara. What should the farmer do? Number one, prop it up with like stones and sticks, prop it up to stand up straight. Also make a mark on your tree. Why should you mark the tree? The Gemara in Shabbos says, because Rashi says it's like tame tame of the Mitzora, meaning just like the Mitzora is supposed to say, I'm tame, stand by the border. How far he can go to the to close to the Jewish people, he can't go too far. And he's supposed to say, Tame, tame, I'm tame. Why is he supposed to say it? So people will daven for him. So too, if you have a failing fruit tree, put a mark on your tree so people will pray for your tree. Just like the Mitzora. Now, that's very unbelievable, first of all, because let's say you have a thousand trees. You have a thousand trees, one is failing. Would you ever imagine to daven for your friend's tree, the 1,000th tree that's failing? Or that, you know, the, the, this multi-billionaire hope he has a good day with making his next business transactions. He should make another few, few dollars. Like we're supposed to, and, and practically, how do you do that? First of all, this is just, I didn't see this inside, but this makes sense to me that when it says you should pray for his tree, it doesn't mean in Shimona Esrei, all the trees, it says all the tzaddikim, it doesn't say all the trees, and it doesn't say all the lemons, and it doesn't say, what does it mean? When you see something of another Jew that's lacking, you're supposed to at least say with your mouth, don't keep it inside, you know, that should get better, the tree should get better, don't say it without reacting. You know, I once got upset years ago. There was a big rabbi, not, not one of the Dolan, but a big rough. And he got up and he said that a lot of the women today, he says, don't like the fact some girls are sensitive when people go up to them at a chasen and say, Emir Tzashem by you. You know, some of these older girls get very sensitive. And he was upset that people are all saying like a, this Emir Tzashem by you to the girl. And, um, you know, the girls, they don't like, they don't like such a thing. You know, it really bothers them. I thought about it, and um, I don't think it's across the board like that. I think it's because the Emir Tzashem became rote. What are you supposed to do? How, how it, as a firm Jew, we should pass by a girl that doesn't have a shidduch and say nothing? Can you imagine somebody doesn't say anything? Like, everybody feels like, let's say, there's a woman at a table at a chasen that doesn't have a child. Okay, it's very un, un, insensitive to start speaking about, oh, my child did this and my, of course, it's very insensitive to talk like that. But um, to say a little hint, a little something, you know, we're waiting for your simcha, 
I mean, maybe not in public. You call the person aside, say something. We should not utter as Jews a word. We should not say, I daven for you. I think of you. I care about you. I want, we should just, what, what kind of Jewish world are we going to turn into if we're going to all just not say anything because somebody may get hurt? You know what I mean? We have to have sensitivity how we're going to say it. But to say nothing, to say nothing shows, it's going to teach us to have a hardened heart. That, you know, people at SARS go away. That lady's an Almana. I don't, I don't, just don't say anything. Maybe just stay away from her because maybe you may say the wrong thing. How far should we go? You know, we should say something, you know, I, I think of you. I think about you. Something, something should be said and it can be said. There's an amazing story. Revelia Brudney Schlitza says, he says he once spoke to Rav Shach, the Kronelavracha, and he asked Rav Shach, Rebbe, this is, you know, now Revelia Brittany is one of the Gedoli America. And it, it, years ago, we went to Rav Shach and he asked him, Rebbe, I don't know if I always say the right words to people. Give me a bracha. I should say the right words to people. I should be sensitive enough. Listen what Rav Shach answered him. He said, you should know, I can't give you a bracha for that. That's your avoida. You have to work on things. You have to know the right words to say to people. No one can give you a bracha for that. That's what you have to do in this world. You have to, by making other people and thinking and being sensitive, you're making them the epicenter of the universe and not you. It takes forethought. It takes, it takes concentration. You have to think carefully what to say and what not to say. That way the focus, the spotlight is not on me, myself, and I. It's on you. And by focusing on you, I can help focus on him. It also helps me remember that Hashem made people perfect the way they are. Each person could merit an entire world, whether they're Down syndrome, whatever. That person is worth an entire world. And we should give them the respect and the honor they deserve. And, and, and that respect is showing honor to our creator. It shows the world is filled with Hashem's glory. And that is even in people, especially Yidin, you know. And we have to, this is giving honor to Hashem by giving honor to his servants, by thinking of the right words to say when we speak to somebody, but to not say anything. If someone's gone through a tragedy, you know, um, you know, some people are better than others at knowing how to talk. Some people don't know how to talk and they say very, but we have to, we're all obligated to think about it. What if it would be me? How, you know, what, how can we talk to this person? And even more, not even what would be me, because me, sometimes we have a different orientation. We came from our, we have our peckle. They have their peckle. We can't understand their peckle sometimes. They have a whole different worldview than we have. How can we try to put myself into this person's life, how, the shoes? How do they feel? How can I think like them? Something interesting. You know, for ourselves, we're supposed to say gamzu latova. And for others, we're supposed to say Hashem should help you. By the way, in the Vardic, they used to say, your own family, you don't say, you also say Gamzulatova. That's really something. And they say Barav Chatzkel, he wouldn't give big brachas to his own family. He gave them to other people, not his own family. And that's hard to understand that. We're not on that level. But we don't realize to what degree, because the reason we care about our families is because me, it's my flesh and blood. It came from me or it's connected to me, you know? For that, we have to have more bitachan. For other people outside of our family, or if we have a problem with a family member, we have to think more, how do they think? What makes them tick? Maybe they went through suffering. That's why they're, they're acting this way. Most people, you know, when they're bitter, it's because they're bitter inside. You know, they, they say things that they don't mean. It's because of what they've gone through. 
We have to think about that. So we're supposed to daven for a person missing a tree. We're supposed to think of every little sorrow the person has. I he must feel bad. Rav Chaim Shmulevitz used to like like laugh inside when he'd see a child walk for the first time, not his own child or a mother buying shoes for a child. He would like be so excited. It wasn't as a, he would cry Shavuos morning when this, when they'd read Megillus Rus after a whole night being up, they'd read Megillus Rus, how Rus and Naomi came walking barefoot to Eretz Yisrael. He would cry the suffering that they had to go through. This is a person that worked on himself. He was a big genius. He could have just felt, I'm learning Torah. I'm this big genius. I'll just take care of my yeshiva and that's it. But he cried for the littlest person, Rav Chaim Shmulevitz, because he worked on this meet of putting himself in other people's shoes. We're told another Pusik. It says, in Kesev Talave Es Ha'animach, the Sifzechaim brings down, if you're going to loan money to the poor within you, Rashi says, Why does it say imach, the ani with you? Because you should see as if the ani was you. We are supposed to focus ourselves, you know, on the person like if he was ourselves. We have to work on no sepa olim chaveira. And not only that, the Gemara Brachas tells us, whoever could daven for his friend and doesn't, he's called a sinner. We're told person could sin if they don't daven for another. So we're supposed to think of the others and it, it's, it's, it's our obligation because otherwise we're going to be the epicenter. Otherwise, we're the epicenter. At all times, it gives us a chance to have a focus on someone other than ourselves. Caring about your brother. We find Moshe Rabbeinu, very sketchy background we see in the Torah about his life. But he went out to his brothers and felt their pain. He was growing up in a palace. He didn't have to think of their pain, but he, that's, that's what made him the Moshe Rabbeinu that he was. Nasan Eina Valibo Lios Meitzaralehem says Rashi. He first looks at them and tries to see what can I see that you need that I that I can help you with, and to put make himself think about them and feel for them. Something we can work on during the three weeks to feel the pain of the Shechina and feel the pain of others. And there's so many people going through so much pain right now. One of my favorite stories, my top ten favorite stories, I would say, is a story about Rishneir Cutler, Zechrenal Avracha. The Rashiv of Lakewood, when Lakewood began to boom, was Rav Schneer. There were like thousand Talmidim a year in Lakewood Yeshiva, and he knew all their names. Anyways, one time they were having Shabbos Nachmu, uh, the Shabbos after Tisha B'av. They had in the mountains a whole Malava Malka, and there were hundreds of people in attendance. At least 500 people were there. Rav Schneer walks into the room. They're playing Yummy Mal Yamei Melech Taisi. They're making all this music for the great Sadik that just walked in. People are running up to shake his hand and say, Shalom Aleichem. And he notices one of his former Talmidim, Rav Eliyahu Roman, who was a Rebbe in LA uh, later. And I, I don't think he's alive anymore. He was a Rebbe in LA for a lot of his life. And in any case, he looks at, he, he, he stops at Eliyahu Roman and he looks at him, what's wrong, Eliyahu? And Eliyahu tells him, Rebbe, my daughter has an inexplicable rash and the, the doctors are, they don't know what to do with it. We, I, I'm worried about her. So he, Schneer always walked around with a paper and a pen in his pocket. He pulls out, writes down the number of, uh, a, a name of a pediatrician. 
and he gives it to him and he says, check this out. After the Malava Malka, Ravalia Roman, it comes back and he says, Rabbi, I'm sorry, I have to ask a question. There are 500 people in this room. How did you know something was bothering me? So says Roshneir, I saw it in your eyes. And we're talking about someone with 500 people in the room and he looks into everybody's eyes because the Maralmi Prague says the eyes can see and they can be seen. You can tell from a person's eyes if they're nervous, happy, worried, sad, angry, it's all in the eyes. And he took the time to look in his Talmud's eyes. Talmud, the 500 Talmudim, other Talmudim there, he noticed who was suffering. That's the greatness of no seba olim chaveri. That's amazing. Another thing that, that's very bad about this is today with the iPhone, people don't notice anything. You know, I have a friend of mine and um, she told me that she was once asked, a firm lady was asked by a non-firm lady, tell me something. She says, why do I see all the from ladies when they when they are walking their with their strollers? Why are they talking on the phone? Why aren't they looking at the baby? You know, we who came before the iPhone, we we used to you know as you're walking with the baby, you're singing to the baby or you're talking to the baby. You look at them every once in a while. You're looking at the beautiful world around us. The iPhone distracts us. All of a sudden, you're looking oh, messages this or that. You're not living in reality. The reality is the world that Hashem is bringing as you walk along the street, the baby in front of you, he needs to hear a few words of, 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 from his mother to know that he's not alone, you know, to show she's laughing with him, she's squealing for him, or the people you could be passing in the street to talk to them. But so many people are preoccupied with me, me, myself, and I. That's what they, and, 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 and Victor Miller had a more ancient message of this. He says, person goes to Niagara Falls, or they, that's my Canadian uh, thing, but if they go anywhere that's beautiful moments, the first thing a person tends to want to do is take a picture. This is way back. Now it's, now we're in a world where, uh, we're in a world where the iPhone is much worse than the camera. But he says, you want to take a picture. First look, have a feeling of the beauty of creation that I'm witnessing right now. Feel for what your experience, what Hashem has given you this beauty, this miracle of creation that I can look at right now and instead immediately take a picture. The picture's for tomorrow. What about now? What am I experiencing? You know, and that iPhone kills it. Like people are on a bus. They're not, you know, be, they're not looking around to see maybe I can learn something from somebody on the bus. They're not looking at the streets around them. The beauty of the streets, you can see Halo Dimension. You can see all kinds of beautiful things. Instead, you're in your own eye world. You know what I mean? I understand there's important phone calls sometimes, but we, we, you know, we've gotten really carried away. I sing with a bunch of women in a quartet, and I once observed that all the women over 50 kept their cell phones on, on the table as we were practicing, and the people under 50 would have to hold it in their hand while they were even singing. They couldn't put it down. They couldn't go without the iPhone. It's a big problem, this new generation. And it's, first of all, we know the, the harms it's caused. So many people have gotten low Leno off the derech by the lures. It's like you bring the schmutz of the world into your world if you have a real iPhone, you know, Hollywood. But even besides that, we have, you know, there is so much to, you know, in this world that we have to integrate, that we have to think of the other, you know, and, and, and not get caught up in ourselves. I have a knock on the door, but I'm in the middle of giving a share, so I'm not going to answer the door because there's more of you than of them outside, and I have to think of the Robin in this case. Uh, just let me call out to them for a minute. I can't answer the door. I'm sorry. 
Okay. Now, the um, I have to tell you the story. This is a Toronto story, but um, there may have you from Toronto. We have a lot of Torontonians here, mostly Torontonians. So uh, I have to share this story with you about a Rebbitson that used to live in, in Toronto. She now lives in Muncie. The Hela Rebbitson Adler. She should be Gesundheit Stark till 120 years. Rebbitson, my uh, a friend, uh, someone I know once went to their shul. They have it's such a friendly shul in Toronto. It's like everyone says good Shabbos to you. And it's because the Rav, Tzachron Levracha and Lahavdil, the Rebbitson, gave so much um, interest in each person. They maybe each person feels so important when they came to their shul. And they had a whole like, eccentric, eclectic collection of people because they, they had this ability to make everyone feel part of it. One time, this friend of mine told me this unbelievable story that somebody was making a bar mitzvah and the person making bar mitzvah was not in the highest social economic class. And in Toronto, you know, there's some higher social economic people. Um, this person probably was in the lowest sex socioeconomic uh, level. And they weren't, they weren't so like, uh, there's nothing about them that was exceptional. It wasn't like they were, you know, Tamida Chachamim per se, probably very simple people, very simple people were, were have making a bar mitzvah. Let's say really simple, you know? Any case, in that shul at the time, there were multimillionaires davening, and there were also regular hamonam, like a whole mixture of people of all kinds of stages and ages. And that's what Rabbi Adler and Rabbi Adler uh, brought to themselves. They, they, you know, people were just very, very comfortable over there. Anyways, the, the davening ended, and it's time to have the kiddush for the bar mitzvah. All the, the a lot of the people were about to leave. Uh, they weren't going to stay. Rabbits and Adler blocked the door. And she said, there's a bar mitzvah. There's a bar mitzvah. And she told everybody to come. She pushed everybody, like almost forcibly, pushed everybody into the room for the kiddush. And she says, do you want some cake? Do you want some cake? She was cutting the cake herself for everybody. But she made sure it's da bar mitzvah that everybody should feel for everybody. Like it's not just the who's who that we go to their bar mitzvahs. It's that everybody's bar mitzvah. It's our bar mitzvah too. It's Kalal Yisrael's bar mitzvah. And that was the beauty of Rebetzin Eva, the no se ba'olam chabero that both the rabbi and the Rebetzin had. Unbelievable. The Rebetzin should have many long years, Mansa Shem, ahead of her for only doing good things, Mansa Shem, like she always did. Now, the, um, so... Not only caring about your friend is an obligation by the Torah and it takes us out of being the center of the universe. We're also considered a sinner if we're not. Rabbi Victor Miller said there's a side benefit. Whenever we bench another yid, it says, whoever benches you, Avraham Avinu, Hashem said, will be blessed. When Rabbi Victor Miller himself epitomized this, he would go around Ocean Parkway and say, this house should have Shalom bias, and this, he didn't even know they were. And this house, should, he, can bench, he got that from the altar from Slobodka. We should make it a habit to bench Yidin that we don't know. We should bench people. We should say, they're not let them hear even. Don't let them hear it. We should say it for ourselves. They should be gebenched, and they should be gebenched, and everybody should have a bracha in their house. We should so much care about our friend. This is a bracha, a varcham varcheka. I will bench you. It's a guarantee. You, it's not just you, you don't get a sin. You get a bracha from doing so, for doing so. And you become godlike and selfless. Now, the third part. We talked about already 
why it's erasing Shem from being the epicenter. We talked about one way to cure this is by making people the epicenter, by being nice, but olam chavei, or deep feeling for another person versus the deep feelings we have for our own fetches. The third thing is tears. Tears can be a correction. From uh, Rav Nassim Bachvogel tells us that tears show a deep connection. It says in, um, in Medrash Shoicher type, Ani me'id shamayim va'aretz. Hashem says, I swear by heaven and earth, if you only cried once, you could have had everything, but you didn't cry enough when before the Chorban. Look what Asaf got from crying a few tears. You know, he got he got to enslave us, you know, Yishmael, because he davens. Look at Hashem, he listened to his voice, and Yishmael dominates the world today. But when a person cries, it shows some internal longing. When Esau cried, he didn't get the brachas. There was something meritorious about Esau. And in that merit, he got, he got for himself to, to punish the Jews during the time of Haman. The uh, Rachel's tears for her sister, you know, Rachel Mavakal Baneha, that she was willing to give up Olam Hazeh and Olam Haba for it. You know, that's what she, that's how she got the greatness that she got. And that's how we can come out of Gullis. Nassim Vachvogel felt that he became who he was because he cried at the Alter and Kelm's funeral. So now, Rav Gipter, as it says, something, it's even if you can't cry, feeling bad that you can't cry is also something. You know, you don't have to cry profuse tears. Who knows if we're on that? We're not on a madrega. But already when you start crying, the diagnosis, look how far I am from you, Hashem, how far I am from giving you your proper covet, what you've done for me and what I've done for you in return. Look what, look what I owe you. You know what I mean? You, you can imagine a scene of somebody who just uh, has a major surgery and they're now been told you are now fit, to, fit, you know, you're now fit, you're healthy, you know? The, almost the tears welling up inside of you to go to the doctor. Thank you for saving my life. Thank you. That's what you feel like saying. Shouldn't I be saying that every morning? Hashem is saving every, we're still here. We're still alive. We're still alive. You know, that, we, that Hashem, once we have the diagnosis, once we cry tears, look what you've done for me. And, and I need, so I owe you so much. I owe you everything. Then we're being, that's already the correction. That's why even Halila, Mashiach doesn't come after a Tisha B'Av. So the tears do something. They do bring some seven weeks of, 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 of reconciliation, seven weeks of Nechama, of, com of comfort, of consolation. So what are we supposed to do to have more in the CSO Im Havera? We first for Victor Miller, don't forget to bench people. We should also remember... Think about other people. Maybe make some kind of thing every day. You should think about someone you don't like so much. Try to think of their good qualities. Try to focus on, on people's good qualities. Thank Hashem for Kavad Shemayim, all that we owe him. Maybe you should sit on the floor for five minutes if you can. Um, you, or, or just five, two minutes before we go to bed now, think about what we're lacking. How man has taken over and look at the world and how ugly it is. And how we want Hashem in the middle. You know, when there was a base of Megdish, nobody was poor. There was nobody that was childless. And it was all from the Shefa, from the holiness in the world that we had. And, 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 and the Bitachan of Kavit Shemaim, Hashem is good, for, good to us and how much he gives us and how much we owe him. Those are the kinds of things we can think of.
Say good Shabbos to new people that come into shul. Think of the other. Look and see what can I do for another? What does another need when we see them? I see a face before us. What does this person need? You can look in their eyes and see what they need. And last but not least, don't forget, when we cry, we should never cry. We should never just cry for ourselves. We should cry for someone else as well. I have an amazing few stories to share with you. And with that, I will end. Rabbi Belsky, the great Posek in America. This is a story about him when he was 16 years old. At 16, Rabbi Belsky was chosen to be a counselor in, in one of the from camps in the mountains in New York. 16 years old, but camps in those days were not like they were today. Today, they're all by a lake and they have a volleyball court and a baseball court and this and that and the other. And how beautiful. And we could do it for, for Shemayim. Why not? But in those days, it was very simple. The counselor not only had to mind his bunk, he also had to serve them all their meals. He had to go in the kitchen. They had no waiters, kitchen staff. He had to go in, get, serve the bunk and then serve himself afterwards. That was his job. And this camp was just bare basics, 1940s. So Ravelsky went to serve his bunk supper and he was hungry. It's a long day, 16 years old. After he finishes serving everybody, he goes back into the kitchen and he sees there's no food left on a particular day. And you know how much a 16 year old boy needs to eat. <laughs> we all know that. That's, it's always nice when you have a few 16 year old boys at your table you won't have too many leftovers, if at all, <laughs> you know, and you have them in your house. So he felt sorry for himself. He was 16 years old. It's a normal feeling. He felt sorry for himself. He was so embarrassed that he felt sorry. He went behind the bunks and he cried. He started crying, you know, like I didn't have supper tonight. And he stops himself. This is Rebelsky at 16. He says, I didn't eat supper tonight, but I had breakfast and lunch. Why am I not crying for Kavit Shemayim? Why am I just crying for myself? Why aren't I crying for other people as well? And he said this Barabim to his students as he got older. He says, whenever you cry, never cry just for yourself. Try to think of somebody else to cry for when you're crying. That takes you out of being the epicenter. It's another story. That's, that's an amazing story. I could just stop there, but I have two others even. I could throw in the same vein. This is what our gedolim, who has great people like Klal Yisrael? There's no great popes that think like this, Lahavdil, you know? Simcha Budim Kohn one time went during the shiva for Rabbi Victor Miller, who was sitting shiva for his sister, and he sees him very deep in thought. And he asked Rabbi Victor Miller, who was his rep, he was his grandfather, he asked him, can I ask what the Zayd is thinking about? He wanted to know what he's thinking about. There was a lull. Nobody was there at the time of the Shiva house. He wants to know what he's thinking about. He says, during the Shiva, I decided to think about all the tsaras that Klal Yisrael has gone through through the ages. And right now I'm in the middle of the Inquisition. That's how he thought. Like to make his suffering a universal suffering, to take the focus out of me. And another story that I really love. And that is a story about Rav Shach. One time Rav Shach, after he lost his wife, a, a boy had to make his breakfast every morning. He had like a, a bowl of oatmeal or porridge or something like that and a tea every morning for breakfast. That was his breakfast. And the boy had to come exactly on time because, you know, he started, had a whole schedule of shock. He didn't waste a second. He had to see people and then he had to learn and all the, whatever he was doing in that day, had to come exactly 9.15 on the dot so he could eat his meal, which was just get it over with. And then he would go and take do his work for Klal Yisrael. Anyways, 
one day the normal boy that would serve him breakfast couldn't be there. So he had, he told, he took another boy who he thought was responsible and he told this boy, tomorrow, I, can you replace me to give breakfast to Rav Shach? He told him exactly what to do. And the boy says, it's my honor. Of course, I'll be happy to bring in the breakfast. So at 9.15 on the dot, he walks in with the, 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 the cereal and the, um, and the drink. Rav Shach says, I can't. So he, he says, all right. He says, and, and so the boy pulls away, goes out of the room. He decides if Shach is at that time in his 80s or 90s, I don't remember which old man, he's an old man, he needs to eat. He can't eat, he can't fast. He's getting worried, like, did I do something wrong? Like, maybe I, I, I don't know, I don't look right. Maybe I did an Avera of Shach sees it in me. Why isn't he not taking breakfast from me? He tries a second time. He goes into Rav Shach and he says, Rebbe, um, I'm sorry, I'd shuldik, but you know, I, the Rebbe has to eat something. He says, I can't yet. I'm sorry. Not yet. So I, I, so he tries again. 10 minutes later, he's getting worried. He goes in 10 minutes later, he decides to heat up the, heat up the, the, the porridge. He brings it in hot. He goes to Rav and Rav then says, thank you. And he eats. And after he eats, he's the, the Bacher says, I hope you don't mind, but did I do something wrong that the Rebbe didn't take my cereal twice? He only waited till the third time. And Rav said, this morning, when you brought me the meal, I was thinking, Look at the situation of the Jews in Russia. I can't eat my breakfast. I can't. The Jews in Russia are suffering. How can I bring myself to eat? He said, the second time you came in, I was thinking of all the Jews in Eretz Yisrael that don't know anything about Hashem. How can I eat my breakfast? And then finally, the third time I said to myself, Laser, you have to eat breakfast because you won't be strong and you can't help other Yidden. And then I decided finally to eat my breakfast. So those are three stories. Uh, three stories of great gedolim who personified thinking of others before themselves. Let's get into that habit. Make Hashem the epicenter and make other people the epicenter and bring the tears of how far we are and how corrupt we've become and how we don't, we're not here for the purpose we are on earth. Hashem gives us everything and we're not even crying tears that why, we, why aren't we closer to him after all he does for us more than any search. He's doing surgery every day for a sherry tsar. Every, every time we use the bathroom, it's a form of surgery. He's removing the waste materials from a human being and, 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 and feeding us and doing everything we need and all, the, all, and all the other things, the myriad of things we owe to him. And he wants to give us an Ilam Haba. Let's cry. The, let's tr attempt to try to cry, but feel bad that we don't cry or what we owe him for everything he's done for us. And let's attempt this Tisha B'Av Shem. We should not be on the floor. We should do it now. And today, Mashiach should come. I thank you for listening. I thank Rivka Shabsov for her amazing, stupendous, behind the scenes, Masiris Nefesh for all of us and to make this year happen, which she does so beautifully and with all of her strength. And thank you all for coming. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Outstanding.